The history of the High Elves of Ulthuan is the history of the world, and naturally magical people, their artisans and craftsmen, equip these long-lived elite warriors in the best arms and armor that can be found in all of the Old World. A race torn asunder, they battle their dark brothers and chaos all around the globe. From their coastal cities, mighty phalanxes push out to remind the world that the elves are still living. And that lineage is mighty. The Phoenix Kings bring monsters of flame and scale. And to see the shimmering host is to see the end. Hello, I'm Rob, and welcome to the High Elves Army Overview. This is an army I'm actually really excited about. Elves are a very difficult army to write rules for. Naturally, they should be very fast, so they have high initiative values. They're also very elite, so their weapon skill and ballistic skill is always really high. This makes the army feel like it outclasses enemy units almost all the time. However, I think the one downside, if there's a downside to the elves, is their survivability. They're light, toughness three, and normally not heavily armored. So this army is gonna have a lot of nuance. It's gonna be very elegant, and the way you play it is gonna be very precise. I actually quite like that from an army list. And some of the unit entries in here are brilliant. However, there is the opportunity to just get pretty beefy. There's lots of dragons and phoenixes and monsters available in this army, very dominant in magic and access to some very elite magic laws. I think if you're excited about playing an army that's going to be a balancing act and then eventually you counterpunch and drive the knife in, then this is the army for you. Let's look at the special rules and equipment that you can take in your high elf army. Some units are gonna be equipped with the arrows of Isha. This means any units equipped with a longbow, a shortbow, a warbow, or a bow of Avalon, and have this special rule, have Armorbane 1 on those missile attacks. Being able to punch their armor at range is good. It's a nice addition to some units. Some units will have the Blessing of Assyrian special rule. A model with this special rule is gonna have a five up ward save against flaming attacks. Obviously, this is going to be very situational. Some units are gonna be equipped with dragon armor. If a unit has the dragon armor special rule, they have a six up ward save. In addition, a wizard with this special rule is gonna be able to equip armor without any penalty. Let me tell you, if I can equip my wizard with some armor, I'm going to do it, and this is lovely. Some units are going to have the Elven Reflexes special rule. A model with this special rule is gonna add plus one to its initiative characteristic in the first round of combat. Elves already have a high initiative stat, so being able to add plus one to that stat in conjunction with the initiative bonuses you get from things like charging means that these guys are gonna be swinging most often before any other army. Some units are equipped with a Lithomar armor or a Lithomar barding. Models with this special rule are able to reroll results of one when making dangerous terrain tests. In addition, wizards with this special rule can wear armor with no penalty. As of yet, I'm not really sure about what the impact of dangerous training is gonna be inside the game, but being able to avoid it or at least re-roll it is great, and wizards with armor is even better. Some units have the Elithomar weapon special rule. If a unit is equipped with a hand weapon and has this special rule, they're able to re-roll ones to hit. If you upgrade to having two hand weapons or a great weapon or a magic weapon, then you lose this special rule. Most units in the high elf roster have a high weapon skill. This means they should be hitting even the most elite units on fours and threes. Being able to re-roll ones is way more effective than if this rule was on goblins. Hitting on fives and re-rolling ones is nowhere near as mathematically strong as re-rolling ones on threes. Some units will have the Lilith's Blessing special rule. Once per turn, a model with a special rule can re-roll a failed casting attempt. For Old World, this is very rare and it's very, very strong. So what an amazing boon to some units. Some units are gonna be equipped with a Lion Cloak. A model with a special rule improves its armor value by one against non-magical shooting. This is fine if situational, so whatever. Some of these units are going to have the Martial Prowess special rule. A unit with this special rule is gonna be able to make supporting attacks from the flank and the rear. While you probably don't want to be charged in the flank or the rear, this is gonna make some anvil units very effective at being able to produce larger combat resolution to hopefully make those charges less impactful. Some units have the Valor of Ages special rule. A unit with this special rule is gonna be able to re-roll any panic tests that are caused by suffering heavy casualties or being fled through 
by a fleeing unit. You don't really want to be suffering panic tests from heavy casualties because you don't want that many of your models to die. However, being able to re-roll the panic test is good because then if you are in a losing position, it means you might be able to rally back. With the close to exclusive access to the wonderful spell lore High Magic, when generating spells, you can swap out choosing one of the signature spells from the spell lore and you can choose one of the spells from the Law of Safari. Let's look at these three spells now. The first spell we're going to look at is Hand of Cain. It's an assailment spell, cast on an eight. A single enemy model the caster is engaged in combat with suffers a single strength fall hit with no armor save permitted. On a frontline melee combat character, this might be quite nice to add into addition to your normal attacks. However, I would not be intentionally choosing this spell. The next spell is the Courage of Anarion. This is an enchantment spell with a casting value of 10. This spell remains in play and the target for any unit gains the unbreakable special rule. If this spell is cast on a unit with another enchantment, that other enchantment immediately ends. And this spell may target a friendly unit engaged in combat. This is a great spell to be able to pivot to in your army list if it looks like the enemy is going to be a heavy melee army and you're going to need some of your units to pin in some of their larger blocks. The last spell is Vol's Unmaking. This is a hex spell with a casting value of 11 and a range of 12 inches. The spell can only target enemy characters. However, it may target an enemy character that's within range and the caster can draw a line of sight to, regardless of the usual rules for targeting characters. It can even target an enemy character that has joined a unit that is engaged in combat. The casting player chooses a single magical item carried by the target. This magic item is immediately unmade, rendering it completely useless. The chosen magic item cannot be used for the remainder of the game. This feels like the perfect spell to be targeting a very expensive banner on a battle standard bearer or even a key magic item that you're going to find on some lord characters. Again, being able to pivot to this spell whenever you need to, you get to the table, you start generating spells, you see the enemy unit has got a very, very good magic item you want to get rid of, just go straight into this. So with access to high magic already and then the ability to pivot to two fantastic spells, the high elves are already in a good position with their magic. Let's look at all the awesome units that you can take in your high elf army. For characters, you can have a high elf prince or an Archmage per 1,000 points. You can take a Dragon Mage or a Handmaiden of the Everqueen per 1,000 points in your army. And you can have multiple High Elf Nobles and Mages. For Core, you can have multiple units of Elven Spearmen, Elven Archers, Lothurn Seaguard, Illyrian Reavers and Silverhelms. And if your General is a Handmaiden of the Everqueen, you can take one unit of Sisters of Avalon as a core choice. For special, you can have multiple units of White Lions of Trace, Sawbasters of Hoeth, Phoenix Guard, Shadow Warriors, and Tyranuk Chariots. You can have one unit of Dragon Princes per 1,000 points, and if your general has the Tracian Hunter Elven Honor, you can take one Lion Chariot of Trace per 1,000 points. If your general has the Sea Guard Elven Honor, then you can have one Lothurn Skycutter as a special choice. For rare, you can have multiple units of Sisters of Avalon, Lion Chariots of Trace, and Lothurn Skycutters. You can have one Flamespire or Frostheart Phoenix per 1,000 points. You can have up to two Great Eagles per 1,000 points and up to two Eagle Claw Bolt Throwers per 1,000 points. If you'd like to have a Battle Standard Bearer, your High Elf Noble can be turned into a Battle Standard Bearer for 25 points. Like we have done with all the previous videos, we're going to be looking at things like Elven Honors, magic items and all these other upgrades in a special combo video called a Lord Out video, which we'll do later. But if you've already started theory crafting and have got some great ideas, I love to read them in the comments, so drop them below. The first characters we're gonna look at are the High Elf Lords, and you have a Lord and Hero level character. The difference between the two is a classic stat line change. The Prince has an additional wound on the Noble, an extra attack, plus one leadership, and its weapon skill and ballistic skill is higher. 
Both of them are toughness 3, and they're equipped as standard with light armor. You can upgrade either of them to have full plate armor and equip them with a shield. So even though they're toughness 3, you can already get to a 3-up armor save quite easily. Of course, you can put them on a myriad of amazing different mounts, and we'll talk about that in a minute. And just like normal, the Lord is going to be able to take 100 points worth of magic items, as well as some elven honors, and the Noble is going to be able to take 50 points of magic items. As standard, though, the special rules they come with are Relithamar weapons, which allows them to reroll their natural hits of 1, but I do think you're probably going to want to upgrade to having a better weapon on one of these lords if you're looking to make a melee character. Strike first, that's not going to apply to the mount, which means you're going to be hitting at a high initiative step, so it does feel like you could potentially make a strong melee character. And Valor of the Ages, so you're going to be able to reroll any of those panic tests caused by big casualties. You can mount a prince or a noble on an elven steed, a barded elven steed, a Tyrannoch Chariot, a Griffin, a Moon Dragon, a Star Dragon, and a Great Eagle. Obviously, let's go straight to the top. If you mount this character on a Star Dragon, you're going to have plus three to their toughness and give them an additional six wounds. So a toughness six, nine wounded Lord is already pretty nice. The Star Dragon itself is obviously great in combat with six attacks, weapon skill seven, and strength seven. And to add to combat resolution, they've got D6 plus one stomp attacks. They cause terror, so they're going to make units run away fast because they're fly 10. They've also got swift stride, so they're going to be completing those charges easier. But they are a large target, so more susceptible to cannon fire and small arms fire. You can definitely build yourself a very aggressive, very solid character on a monster, as well as loads of other Lord loadouts, which we'll talk about later. The standard wizards in this army are high elf mages. You have two levels, the Archmage and the Mage, and the Archmage has obviously got an additional wound over the Mage. You can upgrade the Archmage to be a level 4 wizard, and you can upgrade the Mage to be a level 2 wizard. They gain access to battle magic, high magic, elementalism, and illusion, as well as obviously being able to choose from the Law of Safari. The important special rule for this unit is they have Lilia's Blessing. This means once per turn, a model with this special rule is going to be able to reroll a failed cast. This is going to make, especially the level 4, a very effective wizard. And high magic is a great spell lore, which very few armies have access to. So to kick us off in the character section, you have a very reliable, very consistent caster. That's not bad. It's a good start to an army. You can mount an archmage or a mage on an elven steed or a barded elven steed. The archmage can also be put on a moon dragon or a star dragon and both can be put on a great eagle. The next unit is a mage mounted on a monster. The dragon mage is a level one wizard mounted on a sun dragon. This means the unit is toughness five with six wounds and come as standard with light armor. However, being equipped with a dragon armor means they have a six up ward save. And thanks to the blessings of Assyrian, if they are attacked with flaming attacks, they can have a five up ward save. As a caster, the caster has access to battle magic and elementalism, as well as obviously being able to dip into the lore of Safari. A level one wizard can upgrade it to only a level two and can have up to 50 points of magic items. The dragon is obviously going to make this a scary melee combatant. Four attacks from the dragon at strength five. Its wicked claws are AP2. It also has a breath weapon, which is strength 4, and AP1, which does flaming attacks. D6 stomp attacks at strength 5. This unit is also really fast, with fly 10. However, this character is impetuous, which means 50% of the time it's going to be charging off and you have no control over it. I see this as a really big negative, especially on a unit that's not hugely survivable. It's a large target, it's got light armor, and many of the spells you're going to be able to use won't be usable in combat. But I guess maybe upgrade it to a level 2 wizard, get yourself two assailment spells, and really try to wade into combat. I think I'm much more likely to kit out a high elf mage. The next unit we're going to look at is the Handmaiden of the Everqueen. This is an interesting missile hybrid support character. Pretty cheap at 65 points, with two wounds at toughness three, comes to standard with light armor. For the very cheap three points, you can upgrade to having heavy armor, so just do that. Can have 50 points worth of magic items, and one handmaiden in the Everqueen in the army can be upgraded to take the Horn of Isha. The Horn of Isha is a single use. During the command subphase of their turn, the character may attempt to use the Horn of Isha by taking a leadership test. 
If you pass the leadership test until the start of the next turn subphase, this character and any unit that they've joined gain plus one to hit and plus one to wound. Obviously, this makes this unit a great force multiplier for the unit that it joins. And there are some elite combat units in the Elven roster, so plus one to hit and plus one to wound are fantastic. Other than that, the character is also equipped with a Bow of Avalon, which is a 30-inch weapon. It's got magical attacks and it's got armor bane one. And this is going to start with a bonus you're going to get from the Arrow of Isha, which has already got an AP value of one and armor bane one too. However, it's only one shot, so. So while I think the shooting is a nice addition, I think the real reason you're taking this character is to put into an elite combat block and buff them up and make them incredibly scary. Let's look at the core units. And the first unit we're gonna look at are High Elf Spearmen, a light infantry unit with strength and toughness three. One wound apiece, they have light armor and shields. For a core unit, they have excellent weapon skill at weapon skill four. And they have the fantastic initiative four as well. They have elven reflexes, so that's gonna add plus one to their initiative in the first round of each combat. And thanks to being equipped with thrusting spears, in a turn in which they're charged, they're going to be able to add an additional plus one to their initiative. However, all these attacks are obviously just at strength three. But thanks to the thrusting spears, they're going to be able to fight in an extra rank. And thanks to having martial prowess, they're also going to be able to make supporting attacks from the flank and the rear. So before we look at any other upgrades, this looks like a unit that wants to stand in the middle of the board and be charged. But their defensive stat line makes me feel like they're going to lose a lot of models. You can upgrade the unit to have a full command, and you can upgrade them for 10 points to have the shield wall special rule. Which means once per game, during a turn in which it's charged, a unit in the close order formation can give ground rather than fall back in good order. One unit of spearmen per 1,000 points can swap out from having Valor of Ages to having the Veteran Special Rule. This means they're going to be able to re-roll any failed leadership tests. Maybe the most exciting thing about this unit is that it is a regimental unit. So if you are looking for a unit to take some charges while detachment units potentially rain fire on them, and they'll be able to counter charge with some of your more elite units, then I think Spearman's the one for you. The next core unit, and also a detachment unit, are the Elven Archers. Toughness three, with one wood each and no armor save, you can upgrade them to having light armor. They're equipped with longbows, which have the volley fire special rules, so they can be able to do a lot of shots. They also have a decent ballistic skill. This is just a standard missile unit, but with a good stat line, and because it's a detachment, you could build, out of the core points in your army, a really solid regiment of spearmen with detachments of archers. Our next unit is an amalgamation between our high elf spearmen and our high elf archers. This is the Lothurn Seaguard. A standard stat line at strength and toughness three, with a wound apiece, they come equipped with light armor, and you can upgrade them to have a shield. High initiative four and weapon skill four, and equipped with thrusting spears, in conjunction with martial prowess means you're going to be able to create a big spear block very much like you would be able to do with a spearman. They also have elven reflexes, so they're going to have plus one initiative on the first round of combat, but they're also equipped with a war bow. And this is where things get really, really interesting. They have the special rule, naval discipline. This special rule means that they're going to be able to make a stand and shoot reaction no matter how close the enemy unit is. This isn't where the bonus ends. Once the shooting is over, this unit is going to be able to make a free redress the ranks maneuver. This is really cool because of how it's going to work. Thanks to the Warbow having Folly Fire, you're going to arrange your unit so you can get the maximum amount of shots out of the Warbows. Then when charged, you're going to be able to make your standard shoot reaction and then redress the ranks into the formation you think is going to be most useful for the upcoming combat. And even then, in close combat, they're fine. You can take a full command on the unit and the sergeant, the Seamaster, can have 25 points of magic items. And for one unit per 1,000 points in the army list, you can upgrade them to change having Valor of the Ages to Veteran. And this unit then can have a 50-point magic standard. Deciding between taking a big brick of Lothan Seaguard or trying to make the regiments and detachments of spearmen and archers is going to be an interesting choice for high elf players. Right now though, I'm thinking I'm going to go for Lothan Seaguard, but I'd love to know what you think. The next core unit, Illyrian Reavers, are a light cavalry unit. Strength and toughness three, with one wound apiece and light armor. 
don't think you're going to be building combat blocks out of this unit. As standard, they come equipped with cavalry spears, but I think you're probably going to be changing these out for short bows. You can take a full command, and you can upgrade one unit in every thousand points to have the scout special rule, or, and addition, the skirmisher special rule, and then that unit can take a 25-point magic standard. As a fast cavalry unit with swift stride, Potentially, you could build these into little small MSU or multiple smooth unit blocks, but I much prefer turning them into a skirmish unit because of the mobility it's going to give me, and then maybe using them to get to the back of the board and get myself some war machines. If not, potentially just screening out the front of the enemy army and using them as scouts. If you are looking to build a cavalry melee unit, then you're looking for the Silver Helms. Still Strength and Toughness 3, they move fast, they're movement 8, and they're equipped with heavy armor. You can upgrade them to having shields, and their mount is barded, so you can have a 3-up armor save elven unit. Equipped with lances and striking at initiative 5, because of their high movement and swift stride, you're going to be able to get some good charges and strike at a very high initiative value. They have first charge, so the first time they do charge, they're going to disrupt the enemy unit, meaning they won't gain a rank bonus. You can give them a full command, you can take a magic standard up to 25 points. Ultimately, it feels like Silverhelms could potentially be the core of a good bus unit. A bus is a delivery system for some characters where you would mount either a prince or a noble or a mage on a horse as well, and then make yourself a bit of a death star. Because all those points are coming out of core, it's quite cheap to upgrade that to have a lot of wounds or a lot of attacks. A nice little bonus to the unit as well is that they have a Lithmar barding, so they're going to be able to reroll ones on dangerous terrain tests. And seeing as this cavalry unit could be making some pretty long charges, this is a really nice little addition. The first unit we're going to look at in the special section are White Lions of Trace. This is a frontline infantry unit. They're still toughness three. They are equipped though with heavy armor. And they have White Lion cloaks, so they're going to be able to add plus one to their armor save against missile attacks. This is a unit though you want to be getting into combat. And they're armed with Tracian Great Blades. One attack each at issue five and weapon skill five. At base strength 3, the Tracian Greyblade is going to have plus 2 to their strength and has AP 3. It has the downside of making you strike last, so that high initiative feels very wasted. Once in combat, the unit should stick around thanks to the stubborn special rule, and you can equip the unit with a full command, and you can take a magic standard up to 50 points. This unit also has two special rules. This restricts which characters can join the unit. They can only be joined by a unit with a Tracian Hunter special rule, or by your army's general. And if it is joined by your army's general, they have the special rule Kingsguard. This allows any model in the unit to accept a challenge on behalf of your general. Access to any spells or abilities that are going to add plus one attack to this unit are going to cause this unit's output to massively skyrocket. But looking at their low number of attacks, I'm not 100% certain I really rate these right now. I'm interested to know what you think. Next unit we'll look at is the Phoenix Guard. Phoenix Guard are slightly more expensive than the White Lions. Still toughness 3 with a wound per model, they're equipped with full plate armor. So with a 4-up armor save, and thanks to their special rule Witness to Destiny, which is going to give them a 6-up armor save against any attacks that don't have the magical attack special rule, this unit is very survivable. High weapon skill of weapon skill 5 means it's going to be very difficult for the enemy to hit you. And thanks to being initiative 5, and thanks to Elven Reflexes giving them plus 1 initiative in the first round of combat, they should be hitting before the enemy swings, especially on a turn in which they charge. In combat, they're equipped with ceremony halberds. Only one attack each, but hitting, as I said, at the high weapon skill 5. Striking with the halberds, they're going to be strength 4, AP 1, and they're also going to have armor bane. Those attacks are also going to have magical attacks, and they get to fight in an extra rank. This is also excellent because they have martial prowess, meaning they can make supporting attacks to the rear and the flank. And if, for some reason, your general isn't inside of this unit, they also have veteran, which is going to combo very nicely with their high leadership of 9. Ability to take a full command and a magic standard up to 100 points. This is obviously a significant upgrade from your low 
lowly spearmen in the core section. Better survivability and the ability to attack from extra ranks makes me really love this unit. It's going to be a real problem for your opponent to deal with, and if your mages start casting a bunch of spells on this unit, it can become very, very scary. The next unit we're going to look at are Shadow Warriors. They're a scouting, skirmishing hybrid unit. They're equipped with hand weapons and longbows. And for survivability, they're toughest three with light armor. You can upgrade to having a unit champion called a Shadow Stalker, and that Shadow Stalker can take 25 points of magic items. A minimum unit of five. This unit's job, really, is to cause a headache for your opponent. As I've talked about, they're skirmishers, which should protect them a lot from light fire. It'll also give them very good maneuverability. They can move through cover, so terrain isn't going to be an issue. And from the beginning of the game, you can scout them. If they are targeted by light fire, they've got evasive, so they're going to be able to move away from the shooting. And if charged, they also have the special rule fire and flee. This should be able to make them bait charges and create some failed charges on your opponent's army. Their special rule is the Warriors of Nagarith, and this means only a character with a Shadow Stalker special rule can join this unit. Up to one unit in your army can have the Ambusher special rule, and I kind of expect this to be very common. You can have one unit with the Chariot Runner special rule, meaning chariots can charge through them, and one unit can have the Feign Flight special rule, which means after they make a fire and flee reaction, they're going to be able to reform at the end of the runaway. So we've got several ways that we can build this unit. We can scout them at the beginning of the game to slow the enemy down and potentially shoot at some key characters or war machines. But their long range 30 inch bows means that I don't feel they need to be at the very front of the enemy. Said they could be at the flanks and if you want to, you could put them into ambush and do the job there. They're skirmishers, so they can be able to move very fast and very nimbly. So you might be able to move out of the front arc of charges from your opponent's army in the first turn. They have the veteran keywords, so can operate independently outside of your general's leadership bubble. And in combat, they have a high initiative stat and then a great weapon skill. So they're definitely going to be very good at hunting very light units at the back of the board. So scout them, ambush them, or even shut down enemy charges. This is going to be a very useful small unit that you can take in your army. Our next rare choice are Tyrannoch Chariots. Toughness 4 with 4 wounds on a 5-up armor save. Once locked into combat, this unit is going to do next to nothing. But thankfully, it has D6 impact hits. It's fast as well. Movement 9 with Swift Strike. It's definitely going to be able to complete those charges and help with either flank charges or front charges to add to combat resolution thanks to the impact hits. And it's not useless on turns in which it's not charging because there's a couple of hambos in the unit to add to a little bit of long-range peppering. But this chariot is cheap. Its job is to add to combat resolution, and there's not really much more to say about it. The next unit we're going to look at are Dragon Princes. Toughness 3 as an elf. They come equipped with full plate armor and a shield. They're also on a barded warhorse, which means they have a two-up armor save. They also are equipped with dragon armor, which is going to give them a six-up ward save. This is a heavy cavalry unit that's going to have a lot of impact in combat. It's worth noting they have two attacks for each rider. At the massive initiative five and also weapon skill five, thanks to the lance that they're equipped with, when they charge, they're going to be hitting at strength five AP two. They're also going to have armor bane on these. So there's a lot of attacks from a front rank of dragon princes. They're also fast movement eight, and obviously they have swift stride. They're going to get to reroll ones on their dangerous terrain test thanks to Elithamar Barding. And they have first charge so they can disrupt the enemy rank, which is going to be great because they're going to also add a lot of combat resolution from their normal attacks anyway. So reducing the enemy static resolution with first charge is great. They also have counter charge, so this unit is going to be able to count as charging if it does counter charge, which is going to be really good for its lance attacks. It even has the absolutely excellent special rule drilled, meaning it's going to be able to make redresses and still move after. It's got the special rule Sons of Kalidor, which means the general or a character with the blood of Kalidor is going to be able to join the unit. Give it a full command, you can have a magic standard up to 50 points. This unit is amazing! And then you read that it's impetuous. The problem is with the impetuous special rule that if you can declare a charge, then you roll a dice. On a 1 to 3, you're going to charge. On a 4 plus, you won't. So 50% of the time, you're not going to be able to have control of your heavy cavalry 
big hitter, smashy unit. And I just see this as a real problem. This might be the first big miss I've seen in any of these army overviews. I really don't understand how a unit that's drilled is also impetuous. And I'm a little bit disappointed because I think Dragon Princes are narratively and also model-wise really, really cool. So yeah, if you would like to have yourself an amazing unit that's awesome in combat that you only control 50% of the time, then Dragon Princes are for you. The next unit we're gonna look at are the Swordmasters of Hoath. This is an elite melee frontline unit, still with toughness three, and they have heavy armor. They have their own special weapon, the Sword of Hoath. And this is strength two, AP two, and it does magical attacks. Swordmasters of Hoath have one attack each, but they're hitting at the absolutely insane weapon skill six. They're also striking at initiative six, and thanks to their sword, they're gonna be striking at strength five with AP two. But this isn't where all the damage ends. They also have the cleaving blow special rule. If you roll any sixes to wound when striking at light infantry, heavy infantry, light cavalry, heavy cavalry, or war beasts, they're not going to be permitted an armor save or a regeneration save. They get six up ward against missile attacks that are non-magical, and the unit also has magic resistance one, so it's going to be able to avoid hexes a little bit better. A restriction with the unit is the Warriors of White Tower special rule, and only a high elf mage or a character with the right elven honor can join this unit. You can take a full command and you can also give this unit the drilled special rule. This means you can be able to move after it makes a redress. You can take a magic standard up to 50 points and the blade lord can also take 50 points worth of magic items. I guess the real question with this unit is, are you going to build a large block of them and put a wizard in to buff the unit up? Or are you gonna be making small units and having them charge into flanks? They don't have a lot of attacks, but the attacks they do have are of a high quality. Good strength, good AP, good weapon skill, and they're probably always gonna be striking first. Of the three heavy infantry units that you get from the special section, I think I like Phoenix Guard the most, White Lion second, and then these guys last. Phoenix Guard clearly fits into a more defensive role with White Lions having that higher strength if you're looking to take out higher toughness targets. So I'm not really sure what the Swordmasters are doing, but I'm really interested in which one of the three you like. Let's go look at the units in the rare section. The first rare unit we're gonna look at are the Sisters of Avalon. This is an elite missile unit. They start out with a stunning ballistic skill five and they're equipped with bows of Avalon. These shoot 30 inches and they are the same strength as the user. Thanks to the arrows of Isha, they're AP one and they have armor bane one, but the bow of Avalon is also armor bane one. So this is gonna take them up to armor bane two, which means any sixes to wound are gonna be AP three. They're magical attacks, and they also have the special rule volley fire, meaning you get more shots from the back ranks. They ignore cover, so it doesn't matter what cover you're in, they're going to be hitting you incredibly well. They're skirmishers, so they're going to be another natural minus one to be hit if you are trying to shoot at them. And they need as much defense as they can get, because they are not that survivable. Toughness 3 with light armor, they are not going to stick around for long if you're able to get them. They are evasive, and that's going to add to their mobility and also their survivability. And they're immune to psychology as well, so they're going to have to deal with panic or fear or even terror. The champion can be a high sister with magic items up to 50 points, and you can really build the unit in one of two ways. You can give them the ambushers special rule and the stubborn special rule. Only one unit in your army can take either of these two rules. The idea of an ambushing unit is pretty interesting. Stubborn is obviously good for sticking around in combat, but this doesn't feel like a unit that's designed to stick around long in combat. An ambushing unit also may not appear on the board for a long period of time, and putting a lot of points off board and then having them be not much utility seems like a mistake. And the 30 inches is just awesome. And they're just gonna be sat at the back of the board, raining down arrows at their incredibly high ballistic skill and ignoring all the cover. Next unit we look at are the Lion Chariots of Trace. Four wounds at toughness four at a four up armor save. All chariots want to be charging. However, this chariot has got enough combat resolution from the attacks in the unit that you probably don't mind it sticking around for a little bit longer. Moving eight and causing fear. It does D6 impact hits and has first charge, which is gonna disrupt the enemy ranks. If it is able to get off a charge and goes into ongoing combat, it's stubborn, which makes it feel like you can really pin in an enemy unit. 
Once in combat, you have two attacks from the charioteers, but they're going to be equipped with those awesome Trace and Great Blades. And the chariot is pulled by two lions, which have got two attacks at strength four. So once this unit has charged and has added a lot to combat resolution, it's going to be okay sticking around in ongoing combat. However, it is battling for its place in the rare slot. Next thing we'll look at are Lothurn Skycutters. The Lothurn Skycutter is a chariot, but I think the best way to think of it is as a mobile gun platform. At base, it's toughness four with four wounds and it's got a four up armor save. With fly 10, it's a very fast chariot with swift stride and it does D3 plus one impact hits. When it does get into combat, the Swift Feather Rock has only got two attacks and the three Lothurn Seaguard that are on it are not gonna bring much in the way of combat resolution. But if you spend 25 points, you can upgrade this unit to have an Eagle Eye Bolt Thrower. This is a range 24, strength five, AP three, multi-wounds D3 weapon. The situations in which you're gonna be able to use the Lothurn Sea Cutter to add to combat resolution and as like a proper chariot, I think are gonna be much less than all of the times you're gonna be able to use it as a gun platform. Being able to move effectively means you're gonna be able to draw line of sight to certain units that are trying to hide. And you always have the option still of using it as a chariot in the right situation. If I was taking a Lothurn Skycutter, I think I would always add the Bolt Thrower because I think it's just gonna always add value to this unit. The next unit we're gonna look at is one of the two Phoenixes. And we're gonna start with the Flamespire Phoenix. Let's talk about survivability first. It's got five wounds at toughness five and it's got heavy armor. It's fast with fly 10 and it's also got swift strides. So it's definitely gonna be able to complete charges way before other units. When it does get into combat, it has three attacks. They're at strength five and AP two and a pretty decent weapon skill five. To add to the combat resolution, there's also two stomp attacks. Once in combat and if it does end up dying, it has from the ashes as a special rule. When the Flamesby Phoenix loses its last wound, you roll a dice and you consult the chart. On a roll of one to two, the Phoenix crumbles in cold ash and is removed from play. On a three to five, the Phoenix explodes into flame and every enemy unit in base contact with it suffers D6, strength three hits with an AP of one and the flaming attack special rule. Once you've resolved this, you remove the model from play. However, on a roll of a six, the Phoenix and its rider, if it does have one, are briefly consumed in a ball of flame and are immediately reborn with D3 wounds. Obviously, this is amazingly situational and the fact that you can use this as a character mount makes this awesome. This is not gonna come up often, if at all, in many matches, but this feels like exactly the sort of rule that's gonna make for really fun club games and an absolutely thrilling final of a GT. Its survivability is obviously in question, only with that five up armor save, and it's a large target, so it's gonna be the focus of cannons and small arms fire. It does have one additional way of dealing damage, and this is called Wake of Fire. This is where the model, in the remaining move subphase, moves over an enemy unit. The enemy unit then suffers D6, strength four hits with an AP of one, and the flaming attack special rule. This model's fairly cheap, doesn't cause terror, which I think is a bit of a disappointment, but is incredibly unique. And I can see this unit being really popular, even if it's not because you want to use it at an event, but because it's going to tell so many great stories on the tabletop. The next unit is the Frostheart Phoenix. Other than the ability to be reborn, the Frostheart Phoenix feels like a straight upgrade. Five wounds at toughness six. It's equipped with full play armor for a four up armor save. A large target, so the focus of many a shooting attack, but is fly nine and swift stride, so he's going to get into combat. When it gets into combat, it's got a great attack profile. Four attacks at strength six, AP two, all at weapon skill six. It does have fairly low initiative, but thankfully that's gonna be resolved thanks to its Blizzard Aura ability. Whilst in base contact with this unit, enemy models are subject to the strike last special rule. High Elves already have great initiative, and with Elven reflexes and charging, they should probably be striking first against most other units anyway. So I'm not sure if making it strike last is gonna to come to affect that much. However, this is obviously gonna impact ongoing combats after first charges. So it might be really beneficial over the course of a battle, but it's high survivability and great output means it's a unit I probably would take. The next unit we're gonna talk about are Great Eagles. 
Three wounds at toughness four. This is a cheap single unit you're going to use to move block the enemy units. It's fast at fly 10, and you might see it bombing down the flank of your army. And using it to jump into war machines and characters at the back of the board that are hiding might be the purpose of this unit. The last unit we're going to look at are the Eagle Claw Bolt Throwers. This is a bolt thrower war machine. It's actually a repeater bolt thrower, which is quite nice, meaning you've got two different weapon profiles to shoot if you want. The first has got 48 inch range and is strength six, AP three, and is going to do multiple wounds too. However, if you choose the rapid fire option, you can shoot it at 48 inches. This is only going to be strength 4, AP 1, with armor bane of 1, but it's going to have multiple shots D3 plus 3. We're going to cover war machines in detail in another video, but bolt throwers have the potential to punch through several ranks in a unit. Being able to switch up between this and also having a lot of shots, and the fact that per 1,000 points you can have two, and in a 2,000 point army you could potentially have four, mean you could put down a lot of heavy fire. Obviously, looking at the rest of the high elf roster, you've got lots of shooting potentially that you can use to bring the enemy towards you. But I think the bolt throw is good, but it's really gonna be fighting for its place in the rare slot of this army. So those are all the units. So what do we think of the army? There's a lot of opportunity to do some really good long range shooting, but nowhere near as good as the wood elves. There's some really good heavy infantry, and we've got some good cavalry, however, it does seem to have a downside. There are loads of very unique monsters, and I think you'd definitely be able to build some very solid characters on monsters. Lastly, I think the access to the magic laws that this army has means you're gonna be able to build some pretty unique and very strong units as long as those spells go off. However, it feels like this army is gonna be using its initiative and its high weapon skill to keep itself safe from enemy attacks. So yeah, if I'm just being honest with you, I'm not really sure about this army. I'm like, where's the punch? Where's the juice? And if the juice is in the Dragon Princes, the fact that they are gonna be charging off all the time is stressing me out a lot. But there's loads of small arms fire, you've got a good war machine, you've got good monsters, good spells, you've got loads and loads of options. But we're gonna be deep diving this army more in the future. I love reading what you think about the army, so leave your combos, your thoughts, the different armies that you wanna build in the comments below so I can check them out. I've also been reading all the comments and ideas that we've got in our Discord, which you can access via our Patreon. And the community there are fairly frothy for this army, so it's quite exciting to see what people are gonna to put together. Anyway, I hope you've enjoyed these army overviews. I really enjoyed making them, and I wanna thank you very much for your support. Thank you for listening to the show, and I'll see you soon.